the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak, the Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week, the Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb, because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up everybody, I'm Magic, and I'm Mike, and this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 487, Mr. Samich. No huzzah today, no huzzah, Magic. No. No, it was even hard to get that much energy up for it. Yeah. It's just a uh, sorry in advance. It might be a it's gonna be a heavy show, and uh, but we're all still you know feeling pretty heavy from this past week. Saratoga, in many ways, not just the obvious one, um, it was a major disappointment this weekend. And not even I mean, weather happens. This isn't gonna specifically be like ah the weather. It's better in California. That's not what we're doing. It's just the way things were handled, the tragedies we had, and then then. Uh, you couldn't even end, you know, on a high note with Cody's wish continued. Like his fairy tale story has uh, at least dampened quite a bit. So yeah, it's gonna be a tough show. But uh, hey, we're here. We're with you, everybody in the chat uh, and listening at home. So thanks for joining us, Mike. Yeah, how about Delmar? Delmar was good. <laughs> Delmar was great. Hey, you had Maltese Falcon. I mean, he was the favorite, but that was a pretty tough race if you didn't want to play a maiden favored to win a graded stakes race at Del Mar on the turf to prep for the Del Mar Derby, but he looked really good. And the, like you had texted me, they were there was an, a maiden race that didn't fill the weekend before, and otherwise he would have been in that. So like you said, well, it's a good thing that maiden race didn't fill. Yeah, it definitely looked uh, looked the part. Maltese Falcon looked awesome. Uh, I believe it was on Sunday, um, being able to get the win there. I think it was the third to last race at Del Mar. Racing was great all, all weekend at Del Mar. Obviously, that's not going to be the focal point of the show today. I mean, we got there, there's some hard truths in horse racing that sometimes you have to address, and this is one of those shows where, unfortunately, we got to talk about that stuff. And uh, it feels like, you know, there's a tragedy, and then there's an a avoidable tragedy, and then there's just – Doing the right thing too late and doing it in the wrong way. It's its just a, a comedy of errors at times. Well, there was at least one uh, feel-good story uh, that we'll talk about in a second. But let's not waste any time, Mike. Riders up! Shoddy with a couple of good things here. Red Route 1 won the West Virginia Derby on Sunday in the slop at Mountaineer. Uh, Tappet's Conquest scratched out of that one. And then one of the Speed Horses scratched out of it. And everything that I had predicted in the preview when I recorded it Friday just went right out the window. But Red Route 1 looked really good with that win. Husker Butch had a good third. It, he was running at Prairie, yeah, Prairie Meadows. So that was good to see. And a great race to watch. And, and ironically, the last one of the day on Friday at Saratoga, race 7, was the grade 3 Saratoga Oaks. Aspen Grove was initially entered in this race. She won the Belmont Oaks. This is the second leg of the Turf Triple Tiara. And they decided to run her against the boys on Saturday in the Bel- or in the Saratoga Derby. We'll talk about that later. But Mike, you, Aaron, uh, Vinny Halterman, or Vinny Halterman, Vinny Blonde with Real Dynasty picks. Uh, they, uh, You guys all had Elusive Princess as your top pick. Aaron made it the best bet of the day for him. For, and that was him being red hot in baseball. And she looked every bit the part, Mike. Yeah, she looked awesome. I, I just the move that she was able to make and going to the, all the way to the outside rail just looked phenomenal. Um, this is one of those spots where I think the weather definitely helped Elusive Princess as well. You had a couple Europeans in here. Uh, they ended up running first, second, and fourth. Um, I think that the, the softer turf was a positive for all three of them. I think they all really relished it. Uh, and Elusive Princess just looked every bit the part of a champion. It's going to be fun to see where she goes after this, and hopefully we get to keep her in the U.S. here. 
Now, going into this race, I thought that, when especially when it was going to be on firm, I thought that Papilio had a really strong chance in this spot, and she was the second choice at almost 4-1. to one. Uh, She's the best American horse, but like we always tend to see the lately, the, the European horses are just better. However, when it's going to be a, a race where you don't see a bunch of Europeans invade, uh, and she's facing three-year-olds or just American horses on the turf, Papilio is still a strong effort there, all things considered. I would I would take four U.S. horses out of this if they face U.S. only fields next time out. I thought Papilio ran really well. I think she's proven herself. I talked about strikingly spun spun in the preview where I thought strikingly spun was too big of a price. Ended up going off at thirty three to one. Ran a pretty good fifth. Uh, Zagira, I think that this was just up against her today. Uh, and, and then Selenaya, who ran ended up running third to last. I think wanted the firm turf, and that when this thing went soft and that when she went to the lead, she had no shot. So to me, all four of them are possible playbacks here, depending on the field they face and i think you're going to get a decent price on all four of them minus maybe papilio because of the third place finish because of how they finished in this race when i think things were kind of stacked against all four of them and selenaya looked really good winning the cinema stakes at santa anita on the west coast and then uh yeah she went to the lead which is what we expected but the soft turf did her absolutely no favors and that was something that kind of continued over on to Saturday as well. We'll start with race six, the grade three Troy Stakes, a race that was left out of the pick five and the pick six because you had Caravelle, who's been by far the best American turf sprinter up until Saturday, uh, the, the one to two favorite in this spot. And she didn't do well out of the gate. And that plus the soft turf, I think, was just her undoing. Uh, finishes off the board in fourth. Yeah, this was... Um... I, I, I want the performance we've been waiting for a while to happen. Like it just, it seemed impossible that Caravelle could just run top effort after top effort after top effort against the boys, against the girls, against all comers and be able to get the job done consistently. And it, it seemed like it finally caught up to her here. Um, pretty good field. I thought for, for a short field of just seven and or, I'm sorry, a short field of just eight. And it was seven, right? Someone scratched. Yeah, it was seven. Yep. Yeah. Um, and look, no balls, nobles, whatever you want to say, goes out, sets a, <laughs> a toward pace up front and forces Caravelle to kind of be in chase mode on the inside, which I think was tough for her there as well. Uh, and no balls keeps going on with it. And then Cogburn, just new career. Once we got into the turf, now three for three yep. turf sprinting was two for two over at Lone Star, takes the game to Saratoga here and looked awesome coming home. I mean, like once Cogburn got into stride, there was no doubt he was going to run down no balls. It's nice to see Bob Baffert's attorney, Clark Brewster, finally get a win here, get the co-owner of Cogburn. So uh, always nice when uh, a guy like him hasn't had many wins in the last few years, but he got one here. Uh, all three wins, that, like uh, Carl Ramron says, the horse just looked absolutely great here. Um, <laughs> Aaron's in the chat. Uh, kind of a little no. callback to an old Magic Mike trope. Uh, as Musin Ricardo, always dangerous in turf sprints here, Mike. Unbelievable. And I like it's interesting because the change of tactics, I would agree, but I think it's because of the change of surface. Look, Cogburn, really fast dirt sprinting. Not that fast turf sprinting because there are just like ridiculously fast turf sprinters. And so all of a sudden, Cogburn's sitting, you know, we'll call it third, fourth, fifth, somewhere in that range the last three races and shows a devastating turn of foot going five or five and a half, where those six furlong races was getting out to the lead on the dirt and couldn't quite finish the job. The surface switch changed the tactics of the horse and made it a completely new animal. It's fun to see this kind of horse excel. Look, I still am a little surprised that you had this much of an improvement. I mean, if you go back and look at the buyers, I believe it was back-to-back 91 or 92 buyers at Lone Star. was quite a bit of jump, took quite a bit of step forward to be able to beat this type of field. Also going to be interesting to see what happens to Cogburn when you end up in those 12-horse 12, 12 fields with these turf sprints. 
because a lot of times these turf sprints are much bigger fields, right? And this was one of the shorter fields we've seen in them. I think that helps set up that trip that Cogburn got. I'm not taking Cogburn at a short price next time. We'll just put it that way. And I have a feeling you're not getting seven and a half to one next time out. I have a feeling you're looking more at two and a half to one, three to one against a bigger field. And that's that to me is a, a most likely a fade shot. Uh, I thought that no balls ran pretty well, considering he had Ramuda pressing him, and then he's you know kind of took off in the stretch and just got caught late. Uh, maybe on firmer ground, maybe he's able to hold on or something like that. Uh, Caravel, speaking of prices and what Cogburn will, will probably be a fade price next out. She was one to two here, her first loss in I think over a year. Uh, what will be her price next out, and will that be playable? <laughs> I think it depends whether or not she's facing the boys or the girls, and who is in in the race. Like the way that that like before this race, Caravel didn't really have any issues doing anything. She could go to the lead and win. She went gate to wire essentially at the Breeders' Cup. She could sit right off a hot pace and be able to run down horses. She's done that multiple times during this win streak. So it was surprising to see her struggle here being on the inside of no balls. Maybe that is really what the key was here is that she was toward the inside, wasn't able to kind of be in the clear toward the outside. So the draw, I guess, is important for Caravel next time. It's hard to say she's going to be a price, though. I would be surprised if you're getting more than even money on her next time because of the body of work prior to this start and the fact that a lot of people are going to point to the soft turf and say that's the reason. Well, this turf was soft, so we're just going to throw that one out and go back to the previous races. Yeah, if uh, if she makes one more start before the Breeders' Cup, she could go to Belmont Park for the, the Belmont Turf Sprint. That'll be a grade three race um, against males, but uh, a six for a long sprint there. Uh the Floral Park, that's October 14th, so I think that's out of the question. I'm looking real quick to see. Keeneland's got to have something there, too, right? What uh, They have the Ladies' Turf Sprint um, that she could try and go win. Is that this? Did they rename it? Oh, the Woodford, the Grade 2 Woodford against the boys. She could show up there. Um, or the Franklin, that's the one that where she'd be sprinting. In fact, that's October 15th. It's another week later. I don't know. That might be too soon to get her to the Breeders' Cup. Do you think that they run her again, or do we just go to the Breeders' Cup as long as she comes out of this? Okay. I bet they run her one more time. I mean, the beauty of, of having a Philly turf sprinter that can beat the boys is you have so many options. There are just so many races you can go to. You're sitting there looking through that. You're pulling out five, six races at Belmont, at Keeneland. Like, the thing is, is that she can go against the boys, go against the girls, go against multiple tracks. There's almost a turf sprint stakes race every single weekend. It's just deciding when you want her to run and then filling her into that race, be it against the boys or the girls, as your final prep for the Breeders' Cup. But she's danced all the dances. I don't see why you would give her a single race layoff here. To go into the Breeders' Cup, I, I just keep her going. Yeah, and uh, wherever she goes next, you should assume that she'll probably get firmer ground than what the well you'd hope, especially if you're a Carabelle yeah. uh, owner connection there. Um, turf sprint on the undercard of Pennsylvania Derby Day, yeah, but she's going to have to go up against the Juicers, and that's where there's remember what was it last year, two years ago, that horse won in ninety nine to one, and then and got then disqualified because they figured out he was juiced out the tail yeah yeah that was uh that was the park sprint or turf sprint i guess the one question that like for me with caravel now you're going to have the breeders cup in california only one race at del mar never raced at santa anita i do you have any concerns over that and the one race was in the breeders cup turf sprint where she got trounced by golden pal any concerns over the 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 santa anita turf course here for for caravel moving forward if memory serves, that race was when she was still with Grand Motion, and yep. I love Grand Motion, but she's become a, a different horse. She's somehow become even better with Brad Cox, and Grand Motion had her running well. She's gotten better with age. I don't have any concerns over it. Um, she is a front-running horse, and the turns are pretty tight, especially on the turf at Del Mar, so I don't think that she's 
I, it, it kind of hinders horses that are coming from the rear. Like Golden Pal went out to the lead. He was like two steps out, and we all went, well, oh. Golden Pal's winning this. Like nobody's going to catch him. So uh, I don't have too much concern to you. No, I, I don't. I don't have a ton of concern. Um, that was one of the best breaks I've ever seen in person. Golden Pal like beat that entire field <laughs> to a palm tree. It's like ten feet after the starting gate by two lengths. It was phenomenal how fast he got out of the gate that day. Um, I don't have concerns. So I'm probably playing against her. Like I don't. I don't really want to play Caravel at, at two to one on Breeders' Cup day, and I, I think that's probably what you're looking at after seeing her being what, what was she last year? She's a monster number last year. Is it forty to one or something? Yeah, forty-two to one. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. really want to play her back at two to one a year later when I think the turf sprinting division is just as good as it was. And we saw last year at Keeneland that the Euros can come in and beat us. And actually, the last couple of years, I think they've won it. Uh, they've been they've been very tough for her. Um, they're tough in that race. I'm sorry because obviously she won last year. Uh, Chris asking is it five or five and a half furlongs? It is five furlongs at Del Mar. They cannot go for. They can't even. Uh, I don't think they can even card a five and a half furlong turf sprint. We're at uh, Santa Anita, though. It's five and a half at Santa Anita. Oh, we're at Santa Anita. No, it's still five furlongs there. I did check, but you're right. I, you had, I had Del Mar on the brain. Um, Santa Anita, you're, you're right. They do have the ability to go six furlongs without even having to use the chute, so, or just a tiny bit of the chute. So, uh, but no, it is five furlongs according to Breeders' Cups. And yeah, that, thanks for reminding us, Chris. The Turf Sprint's also the penultimate race on the Saturday card, so huge one for BCBC. At least, yeah, got that going for you. Uh, not much to talk about in the Phasic Tipton Lure Stakes is for horses that haven't won a uh, graded stakes in 2023. The top four horses, talent-wise, were all up there. Smoke and Tea got the the uh, head bob over to Coda Golden Portfolio Company, but uh, not too much to talk about for that race. Next up, this is the one we're not looking forward to talking about, the grade one test stakes. Uh, instead of talking about the race, because obviously Maple Leaf Mel was a, a very dominating winner in that race until she broke down. Um, I want to just highlight, in case you didn't see, uh, Brendan Walsh, the trainer of Pretty Mischievous, uh, the next morning, Sunday morning, brought the uh, garland of flowers over to Maple Leaf uh, Mel's stall and to trainer Mel Giddings. And uh, a lot of people throughout the day, Sunday, when they won a race, they would bring their flowers and place them at her stall. So uh, very touching to see. Like I was saying earlier, you know, there's, this is a little bit of a silver lining is that there are still some good people in horse racing. So when you see Brendan Walsh do something like that, uh, pretty great, but I, you know, Aaron and Jared were there at the track, and and they had to witness along with thousands of others seeing that in person. And then if you were watching TV or ADW feed, uh, just absolutely terrible, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I've been literally following this sport for 35 years. Like, I I can't remember something that was so gut wrenching to see, uh, especially at this level, like in a Grade One for a horse right before the wire, who was clearly the best horse going to win the race. Uh, to just just collapse like that is just it's heartbreaking it's gut-wrenching it, it makes you want to turn the tv off it makes you sick to your stomach like I, it's hard to to care for the rest of the day which is shocking because it's whitney day it's one of the biggest days at saratoga with with cody's wish coming up one of the best stories in horse racing and just to compound everything else was the fact that the story behind maple leaf mel was so wonderful i mean like the, the mel who's the trainer named after her after she beat cancer she gets a shot to train this horse had never won a grade one and for this to happen it's just it's heartbreaking and i i can't even imagine the 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 way that the connections feel the way that that, that melanie feels the way that the, the hot walkers feel everyone in the stable who are like to go from that high to that low and to lose a horse that's so talented so early is just it's gut-wrenching yeah, Dr. Tang mentioned stage four breast cancer survivor, which is uh, very uh, 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 difficult to even beat in the first anything stage four that related. So, um, 
It was the first of three races that we covered live. Uh, it was myself, Nick Sievers. Uh, sorry, yeah, Nick Sievers and uh, uh, our friend Lon Garfield is sometimes in the live chats for the, for our shows. And uh, that was how we started it. And it was like when it happened, I'm sitting like on the fly trying to think. Uh, I'm the only decision maker here on the show. Uh, like it, you weren't here, no Aaron, no Jared. So I was like, well, do I just shut it down now? And uh, we didn't. We had enough fans in there that wanted to kind of keep going and, and kind of persevere through it there. Um, and then the next race, not to kind of downplay that a little bit, but race nine, the Saratoga Derby, I kind of lifted the spirits a little bit in the sense of like, okay, this was a, a, you know an exciting race. This is what a race is kind of exemplary of what we do really like about it as betters is that you had an, a lot of strong opinions in this spot and, and, and talented horses potentially. And it made for a great finish. Program trading, uh, I guess, can we say he went gate to wire? He did get passed at one point by Webster. It even says on the uh, the, the stretch run point of call there that he did get headed. But, but a front running effort for program trading. And, and we definitely, I think this was both of our top picks in this race too. We were very excited about him. Yeah, I, I thought program trading ran phenomenal. Um, I, I, I will also say this. If program trading had lost, program trading would have been put up. Webslinger could not get out of his own way down the stretch there. If Webslinger had been able to straighten out, it may have been a different race, but he came in consistently on program trading down the lane, uh, bumped him multiple times. So I have a feeling that if program trading had ended up running second, he would have been placed first here as well. I thought this was a really good race from a really good horse and a horse that has a really bright future moving forward for Chad Brown as well. When you think back to like some of the best Chad Brown horses, the ones with speed, are so dangerous because he's always got the closing kick with these horses. It's it's just sometimes they're completely devoid of speed. And look, when you th- you think what's your your turf rocket rushing fall right like that was the type mm-hmm. of horse that program trading reminds me of is that the, the the Chad Brown that can get out front that can sit behind horses if needed that can go right to the lead if needed and that can keep on going quickly. And I, I thought this was a really phenomenal effort, especially like we talk about the turf course being yielding so hard to go gate to wire at saratoga when the turf course is this slow and web slinger had to wide trip but look where everyone else came from i mean you know you seventh and sixth and fourth and fifth before the break second and third ends up last and second to last after that first quarter mile yet the horse that was in front program trading able to go gate to wire so i thought this was a phenomenal performance with a horse that has a very bright future yeah he does uh, it's a future that i already see someone in the chat bringing up a uh, future that may be put on hold until the fall now. Program trading uh, is three years old. This only third career start. All three have been this year as a three-year-old. You know, uh, all two at least two turns on the turf for Chad Brown. But it, it's already sounding like he's going to be doing a a November December kind of spot. Hollywood Derby seems like where they're going to be aiming him uh, in November. That's a Grade One race. Uh, it'll be after the Breeders' Cup and then build towards the. Excuse me, Pegasus World Cup turf. It, it, I understand, Kevin. It's a little frustrating uh, because he was a star. And it's like, wow, we've, we've got a a three year old turf star. You want to see him go to the Breeders' Cup, but Chad Brown's thinking longer term than just this year's Breeders' Cup. He's thinking get that Hollywood Derby into the Pegasus World Cup turf and could be a really uh, big move for him. So. I, I get the frustration. You want to see him run, but uh, it was great. I agree with Chris Milo. I thought the Webslinger ran the best race here, and I just couldn't believe that program trading dug it. Webslinger had the best race overall. Program trading had the most heart and guts because he battled back on the inside in his greatest in his stakes debut and, and did that. Um, a quick shout out to Rodney Evans. He was joining us for the live show. He had a uh, a live pick five ticket uh, that cashed for fifty three seventy seven, and then he also hit the the pick four for three thirty three. So uh, okay, Rodney, Rodney, someone, if you've been on the live chats or the live shows, uh, both like Magic Mike, Blinkers Off, the Dudes Who Bet Daily, and of course on the Saturday shows, 
Rodney's there, and he's been red hot lately. So, uh, Rodney, congrats again. That was pretty awesome. We were we were definitely cheering you on, and he did not have WebSlinger. He had Mondigo, Program Trading, and Farbridge. He did not have the six that for a second had his head in front. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man, if WebSlinger ran straight, WebSlinger wins that race. But he, he just could not run straight down the lane. I thought that was a huge issue for him. I, I do think WebSlinger ran huge. I still think the fact that Program Trading was able to be up front is really impressive in this spot. We didn't see anyone do that all weekend except for Web Slinger over this turf course. And so to me, that was that was really impressive. I'm sorry, except program training do it. Uh, look, Web Slinger, though, I, like, you got to give all the credit in the world. I didn't have Web Slinger in this spot. I was really impressed with how he ran. And he's one of those that you kind of have to keep an eye on any type of turf, any type of pace. He can come calling. I mean, they went 49 and change up front and Web Slinger was still swinging four wide around the far turn to come after this leader. Um, yeah, I loved, I thought that he was, uh, he'd run a sneaky, uh, sneaky, great Belmont Derby. And so, uh, he, uh, one thing I thought was very smart from Javier Castellano, he made sure he knew where far bridge was at all times and, and very early in the race, put himself in front of the horse to make sure like it, you know, if you're, you're not going to jump on me, you might get an inside trip on me again, but you're definitely not going to beat me, uh, to the punch and, and far bridge looked like he struggled, especially in the turn or sorry, in the stretch off the turn when he was trying to get going, it seemed like he was really digging up that yielding ground. So uh, I'll forgive him for this one. I, he's proven himself more than more than mo once or twice that he's a talented horse. Um, surprisingly, the European horses in this race, the, at least the ones that were coming from Europe, they all sucked. But it, it, I think it's because they get sent to America looking for firm turf. Not be, If they like yielding turf, you keep them in Europe. You don't send them here. Yeah, I, I yes and no. I mean, if you think about it, though, if you look at who we picked, I mean, I know I was two five here and nobody else. I know you had right. the two on top. I know in the, the other race we talked about, we were all taking Europeans. I thought this was just a better group of American horses versus what we had in the last race when the Phillies versus the boys. I thought you had two standouts here in the two and the five. And look, Webslinger has been very good throughout this entire campaign. So you can't really hold anything against him for what he's done, including winning at Churchill and, and running well in Belmont. So like these are three really good horses that ran one, two, three in this spot. I don't, I'm not going to knock the Europeans here. I think it's interesting that Aspen Grove decided to take on this group. And I think that also told you what they thought of the Europeans that were in the Phillies race versus what they thought of mm -hmm. the Europeans that were in this race. And that kind of tipped the hand that, Hey, look, the franchise 30 to one on the morning line, maybe not that good lion of war, maybe not that good. Maybe this was where you want to take the shot with Aspen Grove versus against three really good European horses that came over for that Phillies race. And especially Elusive Princess, again, like, holy smoke, she was so good, despite what was going on in that race. So uh, maybe the, the connections were like, we don't want to face her. Like, let's go see if we can do this race um, instead. Uh, moving on, the next race was the grade one Whitney Stakes. And disappointing, not from a betting perspective, I actually, uh, it, it didn't really bother me that much that Cody's wish lost from a betting angle because I just had him single in the pick five. It was disappointing because the feel-good story of Cody's wish seems like it's not going to have the perfect fairy tale ending that we thought, meaning he goes you know, perfect through here, wins the Breeders' Cup Classic, and rides off into the sunset. Um, he's a third, a pretty flat third after not breaking very well. Our boy Wada Barrio. Oh, Dutro, what did you do to this horse? 10 to 1 winner. Uh, he looked fantastic. Every uh, I, I couldn't believe how good he looked just every step. He tracked Giant Game early, took over uh, when he needed to, and, and nobody was catching him. So, woof, woof. Just another run-of-the-mill 110 buyer from Wright of Barrio. Right? I mean, that's, you see it every day from Wright of Barrio. Uh, look, he ran, he ran well. Wright of Barrio ran awesome. I, look, Cody's wish... 
I have not read the quotes coming out of the race. I know that Mott said he didn't really like the track. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see what they decide to do if they decide to go to the classic still, because that division, PS, is wide open. I know that I think it was Jared or Aaron, not sure which one was tweeting about it uh, today, just saying how bad the classic field is. I, it's just a wide open field. It's a great betting race. Um, and this may make it an even better betting race, even because now if like, if you like Cody's Wish and he goes to the Classic, you're going to get a little bit of a price. If you hate Cody's Wish and goes to the Classic, it's free takeout. So, like, you know, there's two good scenarios here if Cody's Wish decides to go on to the tag, the, the Classic. Um, Zandon runs second, of course, right? I mean, like, you can just pencil that one in. But White Abario ran, ran huge. I don't know where this came from. That, to me, was the biggest thing. Like, I, I thought White Abario could run well. I didn't think that this was coming. You know what I mean? Like, th- this was just... This was Florida Derby White Abario, right? This is they went they went mm-hmm. back to the Gulfstream form for White Abario here, and there was nothing on the page that suggested this one ten was coming. You you could make an argument that he was rounding back into form, and oh, here we go, we're going to run a, a one hundred two and run second to Cody's Wish. This to me was just out of nowhere, but phenomenal performance. Now the question is, what do you do with this horse moving forward? Uh, well, let's go through the field because uh, that's I think that's a good question for a lot of these horses. Uh, White Abario is going to take a break. Till the Breeders' Cup Classic, Dutro said that he thought that because of the, the the big spaces in between races made him fresh for, and that was Dutro's reasoning for why he ran 110 buyer in the Whitney Stakes, uh, is that the horse just had a lot of space in between races, was very fresh, and so he said, all right, four months, sorry, three, yeah, I can't do months, three months, three months of the Breeders' Cup, he was uh, thinking that's going to be the right move for him, so they will go to the Breeders' Cup Classic, Zanin's got to go to the classic, right? He's he's clearly proven he can handle running second to all of these horses. Or the you know maybe the Fortes of the world can get past him, and then you do a Forte Zanin straight exacted, you know, for the classic, something like that. A great horse to own, terrible horse to bet, right? I mean, he just yes. keeps cashing paychecks. And why wouldn't you run him in the classic at this point? He's going to hit the board. You're going to get a nice yep. paycheck. You're probably not going to win the race. But what race would you win with Zanin? You're not winning the dirt mile with him either. So might as well throw him in the big one and see what happens. But it feels like, yeah, Zanin, one of those you want to key in second or third in your in your your uh, classic bets and see what happens. But uh, man, this is this is interesting. What do you do with charge it out of this? Dirt mile, Ike. If you if you have to send him to the Breeders' Cup, I don't know. Charge it. Forte is to go out into these four or five horse fields and that are graded stakes with nice purses, and then the ones that don't have good horses in them. He wins when he's the best horse by a long shot. He wins those races, and you can find enough of those. If you want to try the Breeders' Cup, I guess I would go Dirt Mile. I I don't think a mile a quarter is is something that he can do against good horses, but I, that's what I would do. What about you? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, we I was shocked that Charger didn't get the lead in this spot. I mean, I thought that right away was. I, I thought for sure Charger was going to set this pace. Ended up letting Giant Game set the pace. Had the inside position. Was in fifth at the quarter pole. Fifth at the half mile point. Like, I was surprised at the at the ride you saw from John Velasquez here because I thought Charge's best chance was going to the front. I think Charge has yeah. kind of solidified himself as a Grade Two, Grade Three horse. And like you see that a lot, where these horses like they they are really good in those Grade Two, Grade Three levels, and they try and jump up, and they're just not good enough. Maybe send him to Kentucky because it feels like he could win a Kentucky Grade One. <laughs> No offense to Kentucky, but like when you look at like the the, the, the different fields that we've seen in in some of these Churchill Downs races, he kind of fits with those type of horses. Like I, I wouldn't hate the idea of sending Kentucky to see if he can get a Grade One there, but to me, maybe mainly a Grade Two, Grade Three horse. 
the Clark Stakes. That's perfect for him. It's it's the it's late November. It's Thanksgiving weekend at Churchill Downs. It's a Grade One race, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and there ain't nobody's gonna be running in that race that was in the, any Breeders' Cup race because they go from the Breeders' Cup, either the Classic or the Dirt Mile, to the Pegasus. Or you know, nobody's gonna be in that spot. So that's. That really is the smart move, I think. He's, you train up for that race. You get a grade one breeding-wise. You know, he's gonna he's extremely well-bred, so um, he's got all that going from Cody's Wish. I don't know if we talked about it. I would send Cody's Wish to the, well, give him one more shot a mile and an eighth, not at Saratoga, if you can, and then go from there. Maybe the awesome again, right? See how he handles going to Santa Anita. Try the awesome again, mile and an eighth. We know what the California horses are outside of defunded. Who are you scared of in that race? Yeah, look... I was shocked he was last in this race. That's the other thing. Like to me, there are so many different reasons that I would give Cody's wish another shot. The mm-hmm. fact that he draws six of six, okay, whatever. That's a little bit of an issue. But the fact that he was last at the half mile point, coming out of shorter races in a race that did, was devoid of pace. I mean, to me, that's like what? What? What's like? I expected Cody's wish to be sitting second or third in this race, and to be sitting sixth and way back to me was just kind of a, an odd spot to be because I felt the tactical speed of Cody's wish was a big part of his ability to get the mile in an eighth. And when you're trying to pass five other horses, it makes it a lot harder to run them down, especially when you're losing ground on both turns. And Nick agreeing. He broke poorly. Agree. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree on that one uh, if you have eyeballs. But um, definitely it seemed like Alvarado said he hated the track as well. So um, that's what I go for. Uh, Pacific Classic, no. That's a mile and a quarter. You need this horse to prove he could do a mile and an eighth before you you – you put him in the Pacific Classic off this, you might ruin him. Also, you're going to have to fa- you're going to be chasing Arabian Night in that it. race. You're going to be chasing him. real interesting. <laughs> that would uh that would not go well for him. Um yeah. Hey, listen, like Doc says, champions just tend to not well, they tend to get beat at Saratoga. It's not that they not run well, but it is the graveyard of champions that everybody wants to win at Saratoga. Uh the next two races we don't really need to talk about. There wasn't much of note that happened. Those were allowance races that got taken off uh no, they didn't get taken off the turf. You know what? Ever so mischievous, I was wrong. That horse won, looked good. Cape Trafalgar uh almost upset it. Frat pack, I thought looked good for a minute, could be fun to talk about. It didn't happen. Fair Dinkum won. Uh Jose Ortiz picked up the mount. Over buoys, buoys, something. I didn't use either one of those horses. I had shutters. And, and shutters, Mike, what did we say? We learned out of this race. Do not let friends bet shutters breaking from the rail ever again. I mean, just, like, it's it's the, one of the most frustrating <laughs> things with trip notes, like when you keep trip notes, is you find these horses you want to bet back, and you're all excited to bet them back. And look, shutters, we got a nice price on shutters in the last race. Like, I was shocked you're getting around 3-1 to one right around post time. And all of a sudden, like the same trip, just brutal on the inside, never really got to run. It's, there's nothing more frustrating than tagging a trip trouble horse and having the horse have trip trouble in the next race, too. Because now you're like, OK, I almost feel compelled to bet this horse back again. And like, is it the horse? Is it the jockey? And to me, like, look, I did not have any issue with John Velasquez's ride. I'm not going to give him a single no. ounce of fault. It was just unlucky, and you're just stuck on the inside. But you know what? You want to be on the inside anyway. That's where you wanted to be the whole time, and you just never got the room and then finally able to run late and not able to get up once started running. So uh, I still want to bet shutters back, and I'm probably going to be mad again and get another trip note again. But to me, this was this was a terrible trip, and there you don't blame the jockey. You don't blame the horse, and it just is what it is part of horse racing so you gotta decide if you want to bet the horse back or not if i get three to one on shutters again at this level next time though i'll be sending it in again 
<laughs> there is a uh uh where's the comment uh i just lost it oh J jake's is can someone name a new york bread off the turf uh there actually was one horse that's been named off the turf uh she was not a new york bread but she did run in new york uh every single one of her seven career wins sorry six of her seven career wins came on the turf which i think is a little ironic <laughs> you could definitely have some fun with like freud as one of the new york sires in the mm -hmm. new york state bread and do some type of psychology off the turf jokes there or last race jokes there's there's some room to to have some fun there yeah there is all right let's talk about sunday real quick uh the grade three adirondack stakes uh at saratoga august 6th this is a bunch of two-year-old fillies trying to get ready for the spinaway stakes and possibly the frisette down the road uh six and a half furlongs on the dirt and you had becky's joker actually wasn't by 20 cents was not the favorite here but a horse that won her debut in a graded stakes race at Saratoga at 21 to 1. And this is a case where a classic Mike Samichism where you, you, if you, the wedding and the funeral, right? I didn't want to have to use that phrase. I was trying to think of something to replace it. But the wedding and the funeral here. But the wedding was last time. Becky's Joker proved this is why you don't play those horses back at short odds, right? Yeah, we kind of knew that about Becky's Joker too. I mean, if you remember when she won, she won opening weekend um, and her buyer was lower than the buyer of the two-year-old maiden special weight that the same day. And, and so you, you kind of knew it was a little bit faulty. That field wasn't great. Um, she scored at 20 to one that day. Today, you're getting three to one against a better field. Like you got to kind of take that into account and just realize that she was in the two post. Now she's in the 10 post, a lot going against her. Um, so in my mind, she was one of those horses where like, if you want to use her in the exotics and you like her, okay. But putting a win bet on her here was kind of crazy. Uh, Brightwork gets the job done for John Ortiz, Jose, or I read Ortiz up. This horse looked awesome. I mean, she looked mm -hmm. great. Like, it just didn't break phenomenally well, but still was able to sit in a nice position. And when they hit the top of the lane, just phew, gone. Like, never even in doubt who was going to win this race. Yeah, she looked incredible. Uh, I've seen all three of her starts. She won her uh, debut at Keeneland, and uh, then she went to Alice Park, and she won the – I forget what – there's a stakes race that was supposed to be at Churchill that she won – um and then she wins this race and looks very impressive uh the brad cox horse was you know a lot of these horses were making just their second career starts including the brad cox here you come again you know a, a big step up and she was she lost to a very seasoned well a much more seasoned horse in bright work here um she ended up being the five to two favorite do you have interest in her moving forward uh depends where she shows up i mean i, I thought this was a pretty good race but honestly the big question for me is what's behind these two Mm -hmm. um i mean if, if you look at like becky's joker uh, ran second to last copperham who i thought might be a good horse runs last magic mm -hmm. cross who's a 15 to one shot ends up running uh fourth here streaming now not a horse i was high on runs third I i'm not sure she was just the best of the rest and the rest aren't very good um and the way that bright work ran away from her there's clearly a gap between the first and second here so i i this is one of those where i wouldn't i would be hesitant to play her back at too short of a price because she lost to Brightwork and beat everyone else in this race. That, that to me, is a mm, – especially if she ends up going off with like, even money against a field somewhere else, I may be trying to beat her. Yeah, I, this is uh, – it's extremely fluid with the two-year-olds because each – first of all, you know, you have earlier winning horses or horses that break their mains early on, like Brightwork, that – very often will trail off by the time they get to the late summer. And it, she seems to be carrying her form and seems to be very strong. But uh, likewise, a horse that might be a little bit later developing or might lose its debut and then break the maiden later on. So 
you know, the lots of horses to watch out for as we get going. But at least we have one exciting one here in Brightwork that we can talk about. That's going to be for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about this past weekend in Saratoga. Like, I know it wasn't super fun at all times, but we appreciate you being here with us. And hopefully you feel a little bit better about the... Oh, wait. I'm wrapping things up. We forgot to talk about the BS that happened on Sunday. Sorry, Mike. I just pulled you out of there. I was trying to do the wrong thing. The BS that happened on Sunday. Talk oh, about that real quick with the betting. Yeah, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I mean, it's just criminal. And this is like... It is so flippin' frustrating when... The amount of disrespect shown toward betters by Naira on Sunday was just insane. To take, look, the day should have been off the turf to start the day, period, okay? Like, we shouldn't have been running on the turf anyway. So that's my first problem. But we're not, we're going to shelve that problem. And we're going to talk about the fact that they make a decision to take it off the turf after the pick six has started. And literally as they're loading into the freaking gate for the late pick five, they take the, the, the last four, three of the last five races off the turf, making them all races, which makes the picks five pretty much unplayable. Oh, by the way, even if you wanted to try and figure out how to restructure your ticket, good freaking luck because you have no idea who is running in those races. In fact, with 10 minutes left till the pick four, we still didn't know who was in and out at Saratoga in the last four races. It is just wildly, wildly disrespectful to the betters. There are so many better ways to handle this. Look, they should have taken them off the turf. That was the correct decision. Thank you for making the right decision. Now, don't flip it up by then making a bad decision. Just keep the horses in the paddock for 20 minutes saying, guys, we're going to take them off the turf. We want to make sure the betters have an idea of how to play this late pick five, how to play this late pick four. Let us get the scratches out. We're going to push the post times back 20 minutes. Everyone would have been happy with this. Everybody. But Naira just literally rushing the horses into the freaking gate and screwing over all the betters who played the pick five. It was just, just absolutely brutal. And it is not just Naira. That's part of the problem here, too. I've seen Gulfstream do it. Like, we've had issues at Del Mar out in California as well. But this is at least the second time I've seen Naira do it in the last year. And it is just, it's ridiculous. It, it, it's just, it completely disregards the people that are putting any money into the pools, which, oh, by the way, are paying for the purses are paying to keep the track open. The betters are the ones who keep the industry alive and the betters are the ones who keep getting disrespected and screwed by this shit. And ran. I love it. I'm so glad that I remembered at the last second that we had one more thing to talk about. That's the best, that's been the best part of this show. So if it, just to kind of quickly summarize, if, if you didn't know uh, what we're talking about, uh, Sunday race four on the turf course, uh, because it was, they probably shouldn't have been on it, but they wanted to try it. Uh, they had a horse that had a breakdown in race four. And afterwards, the jockeys said, we don't think it's safe to ride on the turf course anymore. So then you had race five. And then you had race six after that, and that's at least an hour has gone by in time before they start getting the horses ready for race seven, which is supposed to be the next one on the turf. So you had over an hour, plus all the paddock time, so let's figure an hour and 15 for being you know, on the short end here, to try and make this decision, to listen to the jockeys and say, no, we should probably not do this. And then right as they're getting ready to go into the gate for the late pick five. All right, off the turf, everybody gets the all button and nobody gets a chance to handicap or, or remake their tickets. So, yeah, the betters once again get screwed. This is uh, this is why it's uh, one of the big reasons it's getting harder and harder to sell this sport to new fans. Well, it's it's ridiculous, too, because, like, you know, Kevin B says this, that this type of shit makes you want to quit and focus on football. And, like, he's right. And if you try and explain mm -hmm. to someone, guess what? Got this sport for you. Pick five. 15% takeout. Right there, people stop. 
because sports betting is 10%. I mean, it's, it's so right out of the gate, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball because you're taking a larger percentage out of the pool and you're not guaranteeing prices. Okay, that's fine. But then to have all of this other stuff go on constantly and not the first thought should be about the better. The first thought, not about the owner, not about the trainer, not about the jockey. Actually, let me take that back. The first thought should be about the horse. Make yes. sure the horses are staying. <laughs> The next thought should be about the better. Make sure the better is taken care of because that is your customer. That is the actual lifeblood of the industry. If no one bets on these races, these races don't run. End of story. And so to have shit like this happen consistently, to have last weekend where we didn't even talk about this, to have a horse who was accidentally scratched for two minutes on Equibase run for purse money only is the most asinine thing in the world. The horse should either scratch or be bettable. It should not be running for purse money only because guess who that screws? The better, because that horse affects the rest of the race. Mm -hmm. They're still running in the race. It still affects every other horse you bet. If they're a speed horse, if they're a closer, if they cause trouble, if they block someone off, that screws everyone else who is betting. It's just ridiculous how consistently these decisions are made with the better as the last person considered instead of the first person considered the second thing considered in these spots. It's just, it's, it's asinine. It needs to stop at some point. You got to get out of your own way. And right now, even when you do the right thing, you're doing it in the wrong way. And that is a huge problem in the sport. I mean, someone, uh, a great comment here from Rodney says, me being new, I didn't understand shit. I was trying to cancel my bets and everything. And you, Rodney, nobody knew. That's the part of the problem is that people like, you know, Mike's been doing this for 35 years. Mike didn't know. And then what happened ended up being a complete shit show. So uh, there's that. You know what? Let's see. If, can we end on the, well, less negative note? Cash LA Surf wants to know about Delmar thoughts. Did you, any thoughts at all from Delmar? I mean, you had some good, great field sizes, some good prices come in, except for the Clement L. Hirsch when Adair Manor won. I still think she's like the fourth or fifth best dirt horse, dirt female. Well, let's talk about that, the Clement L. Hirsch. The bombs hit that sure. day in the late pick five. With a three to five shot, it paid $994. Delmar still has big fields. Delmar still has good payouts. Like, I, I am... I had a conversation with a buddy of mine going into this weekend about how like the past couple of years, my handle at Saratoga had been close to 75% of my August handle. My handle at Delmar is close to 80% of my August handle, like it, July, August handle. I'm not betting Saratoga nearly as much because Delmar is more consistent. You don't have to worry about the scratches. There are consistencies with the track because you don't have all these weather issues. So by the way, you, you want to come from off the pace on the turf right now. And uh, the, for the first part of the meet, outside was good, closing. Now you're seeing some speed hold a little bit more. But the track is more consistent. You are seeing more consistencies from, like, you're seeing less changes, less scratches. So your prep work is much more valuable in that sense. I, I mean, the product is exponentially better right now at Del Mar than it is Saratoga. Nick wants to know if we're just going to cover Del Mar the rest of the summer. I mean, maybe. We'll, see. we'll definitely be going there more often, that's for sure. Uh, you can trust the weather is going to be nice there. Um, Adair Manor wins the, the Clement L. Hurst Stakes uh, and gets a berth into the distaff. I was surprised by this. This is her first grade one victory. I, I didn't realize that she hadn't gotten a grade one yet. So uh, she wins it for Baffert. She was three to five favorite. I, you know, she, she had to work for it because Elm Drive was pretty stubborn until late. Uh, and Speed was holding very well at Del, at, uh, Del Mar on the dirt. Um out of this race, I think Adair Manor is going to be too short of a price to consider seriously at all in the distaff. Desert Dawn might be a good horse that you can get at a price to clunk up for third or fourth on your tickets there. She loves to come from behind. Um, she just isn't, she's definitely not a win candidate, but third or fourth, yeah, she could be a little sneaky. It's the only type of California girls I don't like. 
they, they, the, <laughs> the Phillies in California just just avoid them. They're not as good. And this this to me showed you every bit of that. Adair Manor just not. She's a cup below the East Coast Phillies. Nest would eat her alive. I mean, this is just to me. These are just let's let's move along. Do not bet these in the Breeders' Cup. It's not going to be a California Philly that wins this race. Kevin B says Desert Dawn is Zandon in a female body. Put the two of them together. Maybe they can actually produce a winner someday. All right, now that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to talk about everything in Saratoga and a little dash at Del Mar there at the end. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday at uh, 5 Eastern. 2 p.m. Pacific. I forget. I can't even do times now. 5 Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific for our next Pick 5 preview. Maybe we go to Del Mar. Maybe we go to Saratoga. Maybe we go to Colonial Downs. Colonial Downs has some great turf racing. And thank God Churchill moved the Arlington Million Beverly D and Secretariat there instead of holding it their own track. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm not doing Colonial. I refuse to do the Arlington Million brought to you by Churchill Downs live from Colonial. Not going to happen. No. All right. Maybe, maybe we go to Saratoga where you got the four-star Dave Handicap. That's a Breeders' Cup winning year for the Turf Mile. Uh, they also have the Saratoga Special next weekend. And then Delmar has the Sorrento Stakes for 2-0 Phillies going six furlongs and the grade two Yellow Ribbon Handicap uh, for eight and a half furlongs, uh, mile 16th on the turf. So plenty of options here. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. I'm at Curtis Keller. He's at Samo Bomb 18, number one, number one, number one, number eight. And we will let you know, uh, at some point what we're going to be doing, uh, due to bet daily every Thursday through Sunday. Now that Aaron's back from vacation uh, and Papa dude has officially arrived in Florida. Now we'll get back to doing it every Thursday through Sunday, noon, Eastern, 9am Pacific, uh, with the best bets. You texted me a best bet, forgetting for a moment that we didn't have a show. It was, was it Rockies? Did your bet cash is what I want to know. I don't even remember what I texted you, buddy. It's been a weekend. Marlins I, I had, plus 125. Let's look at it. Yeah. So for, the, for the world, I tore my Achilles last Monday and had surgery on Friday. So it's been an interesting uh, weekend here. But yeah, follow on Twitter. We'll, we'll get, definitely get those bets out and keep the show rolling throughout the week. Uh, Marlins lost six to nothing yesterday. So all of the the picks that we had texted in for Saturday and Sunday before we decided not to do show, uh, they all failed miserably. So I'm glad we didn't have uh, a show on Saturday or Sunday. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. Make sure you subscribe to youtube.com slash racing dudes and visit racingdudes.com for free picks for every race, every track across the country, as well as get the summer bombs for Del Mar and Saratoga. They've been doing very, very well. So Just get them glad to Del see Mar. that. Just get them. Just Del Mar has been freaking crushing it, crushing it. And Saratoga has been okay, but Del Mar has been killing it. So make sure you get them for Del Mar. There we go. Everybody loved Del Mar, so we might be back for that on Thursday. But until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.